Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Thanks for joining us today for the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, we're going to talk about the Federal Reserve and interest rates, but let's talk about the current events going on in Columbus and how these current situation may affect the markets. Yeah, it's difficult times in Columbus here. You know, we have uh, rioting in the streets and certainly not a good thing for anybody, let alone the economy. Now, what what result that'll have in the economy? I mean, I could give my opinions as to the whole situation and how unfortunate it is, but let's speak specifically to how it could affect the market. And we don't really know what impact it's going to have on the stock market, but it's certainly going to have an impact here locally in Columbus. I mean, we've been under this quarantine lockdown for COVID for the past, call it three months, and uh, restaurants, small businesses are finally opening their doors back up and being greeted and welcomed with getting their windows smashed in and looters. So it's certainly going to have a a dramatic impact, at least I would foresee it to have a pretty significant impact on, uh, on particularly restaurants in downtown Columbus. So terrible situation. Hopefully, we can find some peace and solution in all of this and, and get back, but um, it's a terrible situation. Hopefully soon we will get back to normal. And when those things do, we can start being concerned about regular things like interest rates, the Federal Reserve. <laughs> right. um, and let's break that down or explain why it's important for people uh, to pay attention to interest rates. Well, you know, the Federal Reserve has a big impact in in the way that People in the market view the stability of the economy. And I won't dive too deep in the weeds as to, you know, why the Fed raises and lowers interest rates, because there's a myriad of reasons. But usually it points to the stability of the economy. So the Fed has a a lever they can pull. When the economy is struggling, they can lower interest rates, which typically has a positive impact on the market. And then also allows for more borrowing. Obviously, people are going to go buy uh, houses uh, when their interest rates are only 3% or refi when they're 3% or uh, businesses will borrow money to uh, fund projects when interest rates are really low. And the Fed has a dramatic impact in controlling that. The flip side of that, though, is when we get into negative interest rate territory, which there's been a significant amount of conversation about, and that is we actually borrow money out at a negative rate, meaning that the Fed's fund rate isn't 1% or 2%. Now it's you know negative range. And what that signals to the economy is that it's kind of that Hail Mary pass, you know, well, here goes nothing. We're running out of levers to pull. Let's go do what seems like a stupid thing and actually pay people to borrow money off of us, which we've seen this in other countries as well. So it typically has a very negative impact in the economy because it looks like a, a move of desperation. But 
that doesn't necessarily mean that the market's going to go you know, downward or it's going to get more volatile. It could absolutely have a positive effect on it, but it certainly will have a negative impact on treasury rates. It'll certainly have a negative impact on the amount of fixed rate of return that you can, that you can achieve as a retiree. So as you look at your portfolio and you're trying to diversify and balance and generate yield and income in retirement, you're looking at sources to do that. Source number one, stocks. Source number two, bonds, uh, are kind of the two predominant things that people look at. And we'll talk about alternatives, uh, hopefully, when, if we have time here later in the show. But those two things, bonds add stability, and bonds are based upon interest rates. As interest rates go up, it has a negative impact on underlying bonds. But as interest rates go down, when you buy new bonds, you can't get much of a yield out of them. So you're caught in this quandary where I go, I know I need to retire. I can't have all my money in the stock market because, well, geez, look what just happened. The volatility is crazy. And I'm trying to achieve some sort of income off of this. But the best I can do is go buy a CD at the bank paying me 0.5% for the next 24 months. How the heck am I going to retire off of that? So it can have a dramatic impact. And people nearing retirement or in retirement right now are going to have to start looking at alternative sources to try and generate income and try and add stability to their portfolio, or they're going to be left with a very drastically reduced income to live off of. So you have to keep your, your mind open and get with somebody who can talk to you about other alternatives. And what are some of those alternatives? Well, one is, you know, go to insurance companies. Uh, insurance companies can provide uh, just that, insurance against volatility and also insurance against longevity. So there are ways where you can achieve yield. Like, let me give you an example. Uh, a fixed indexed annuity, for example, will allow you to participate in some of the upside of the market, but no downside risk. So while I do not foresee an indexed annuity to achieve market-like returns in the long run because you're not taking on as much risk, if you could capture even 50% of the market return with no risk or no volatility, and let's say the market averages 8% over the next 10 years and you get four of that with no risk, then that just became your bond or CD alternative to try and achieve that 4% rate of return that you couldn't do before. The 60-40 portfolio of, of yesteryear is a very risky proposition for retirees right now because of low interest rates. So you're gonna have to look at another category to satisfy that 60-40, that 40% bond allocation or the 50% bond allocation they had before, you're going to have to go to other areas other than bonds, and, and annuities are a great option for that right now. And we're going to get into more detail about uh, that later on uh, in the show, so please stick around. Meanwhile, if you're concerned about the market and you'd like to learn new strategies to manage retirement risks, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can learn more about the Aptus Retirement Blueprint today. There is no cost or obligation. Space does fill up fast. We do encourage you uh, to go to the website. It is aptuswealth.com. It's spelled A-P-T-U-S Wealth. Dot com. Let's talk about market risk, as you mentioned, Josh, and what do, what do people need to be aware of? And the basic understanding, I guess, that the market, again, is cyclical. Yeah, it is cyclical, but we've noticed something that's been happening, somewhat of a phenomenon that's been happening over the last, let's say, you know, 10, 15 years, and that is that the velocity or speed in which we're getting bounces or gyrations, volatility in the market has certainly picked up. And while it's yet to be seen whether that'll have an impact in the long run because value certainly always comes back into favor, meaning that what you're paying for a company today, which is a stock in the stock market, 
over a long period of time, the value of that company and the stability of that company is what's going to drive, drive that stock price over a long period of time. But in the short run, we have all this volatility that seems to be based upon emotion in the media. And why is that concern in the short run? You know, you go, if, I, if I'm a 20-year investor, I don't care about the short-term volatility. And that's absolutely true if you're 25. But when you're 65 and retiring, the most dangerous proposition of retirement is sequence of return risk, or in other words, market volatility as I withdraw money out, meaning that the order in which I receive those returns and the volatility can have a dramatic effect. One of the questions I ask every client that walks in the door is I'll give you two options. I can give you a a 10% average annual rate of return over the next 20 years or a 5% average annual rate of return over the next 20 years, which one do you want? And obviously it's a trick question, everybody says 10, but the order in which I receive my returns to get to 10 makes a big difference. And I think as uh, the average investor, we know that there's volatility in the market, we, but we base our plans or our retirement plan on, I'm just gonna get a solid 6% every single year for the rest of my life. So if I invest 100,000, I can pull out $6,000 a year and I'm good because I'll never dip into principal. If you have money invested in the stock market, it is not growing at 6% every single year. Some years it's 20, some years it's negative 10, some quarters it's negative 35, like we just saw. So the volatility has a dramatic impact as we withdraw money. If it's at the bottom of a, of a very volatile drop, and then we withdraw our money for that month or that year, that can have a lasting impact that you never recover from. So the order in which you receive returns or the consistency of returns and mitigating or minimizing the loss that you achieve in your portfolio is arguably far more important than the overall rate of return. So I think we're faced with low interest rates, market volatility, and how do we achieve a comfortable, as risk-free retirement as possible? Um, we certainly didn't work our entire lives to bite our nails for the next 20 years of our lives when we're retiring, just hoping and praying that our money won't run out. How do we come up with a viable income plan to mitigate, minimize all those risks so that we just know our income is covered for the rest of our lives? It's going to become more and more difficult to achieve that. And you're going to have to be more open than you were before to just putting 50% in stocks and 50% in bonds is not going to be the way to necessarily get that done, at least not with the level of confidence that most of the people I talk to want. The risk is volatility is a big one as you're in retirement or withdrawing money. And you have to plan for that and expect that. Let's go through the Aptus Retirement Blueprint process for, for new listeners that are thinking about uh, investing their money or they, or they currently do and they'd like to talk to you and kind of get your take on, on what their portfolio looks like. Well, first, our entire process is based upon minimizing taxes and minimizing risk or at least understanding what level of risk we're taking on for the reward or return that we're achieving. Step one or day one, visit one, meeting one, we go over uh, what you have so far and what are your goals. So what have you been doing thus far in your life to achieve the retirement goals or whatever goal it is that you're trying to achieve and how are you saving towards that? Then we'll take the information that you provided us in meeting one and in meeting two, we'll analyze it. And we'll say, if you continue to do everything that you're doing, this is what that outcome looks like. And how much risk are you taking on for the reward that you're achieving? And what would that future look like? Meaning, if we drop another 30%, how much of that can you expect to participate in? And then meeting number three is, were there any gaps or any potholes on that road that were going to get in your way? And how do we address those? We call that the blueprint. 
So we will give you the blueprint and the design for your financial future that will minimize all of those risks for you. And then meeting four is uh, the engagement meeting. That's uh, after these three meetings, we've probably come to a conclusion as to whether or not this is a good fit. Do you want to move forward with us? Uh, in which point we have to you know, fill out paperwork and, and get the process started. With the current events going on, how are the markets responding? Well, you know, the volatility is the name of the game right now. Um, you know, it's gone down dramatically. Now it's come back all the way up. We're in territory now where the last 12 months actually looks positive. Um, but that volatility is still breakneck every single day. And what I'm noticing with people is it's uh, for the first time in my career, I'm noticing that the level of volatility and everything going on in the world today, whether it's COVID or the riots, seems to be having a dramatic impact on the mental health and physical health of the people that I know, the clients that I have. And I've noticed a dramatic impact in the ones that have done adequate planning who expected this level of volatility, maybe not for the reasons that we're seeing, but they knew it was part of the process and they knew they had a plan in place to do it, seem to be faring a heck of a lot better than the ones that are just, well, I have a 401k and I invested it according to the meeting that I had 10 years ago and I hope I'm good. Those people seem to be really struggling through this and the uncertainty is going to have an effect. It's having an effect, and I don't know how long that effect will last, but having some sort of semblance of control via a plan definitely has a, a positive impact on your outlook on the future. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call. The number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com, spelled A-P-T-U-S, Wealth. Com. I'm Diane Brennan. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. When we come back, we'll talk taxes and tips on how to pay less of them. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. We want to give the listeners some great advice on how to pay the least amount of taxes that they possibly can when they retire. With everything going on, let's focus on something a little more positive. And I know paying taxes isn't positive, but giving them tips on how to pay less of them is is some positive news we can give everybody. Yeah, I mean, who wants to pay more taxes, right? So the first thing to to navigate here is not all retirement vehicles are created equal. And by retirement vehicles, I mean the line in the tax code. So for example, you you know you have you know you have a 401k if you're a, a private uh, employee or if you work for a public entity, you have a 403b. All that is is line 401 subsection K, the tax code that states that you put money into an investment vehicle pre-tax through your employer. It grows tax deferred, but every dollar you pull out of it is now taxable. So all of these numbers and letters, 401K, 403B, 457, uh, all that is is the line in the tax code. So that's important note. It's not the investment itself. It's the way that it's taxed. So a lot of times I'll have people come to my office and they say, well, I have an IRA. Is that a good thing? 
and they don't realize that the IRA is just the tax umbrella. It is not the investment. So regardless of what investment we put in that IRA, that's a different conversation, meaning, you know, do you want to be in stocks, bonds, uh, mutual funds versus individual stocks, ETFs, annuities, all of these different things are the actual investment, but the vehicle that the investment's in or the umbrella of taxes is coded as that IRA or 401k, Roth IRA, et cetera. And the way that those are taxed are dramatically different, meaning if I have money in a 401k, every dollar I pull out of that goes into my taxable income. If I have money in a Roth IRA, every dollar I pull out of that, assuming I've held it for five years, is completely tax-free. Dramatic difference there, obviously, in the amount that we have to withdraw and the amount that we get taxed. And then if we have money that we just you know, saved, it wasn't through an employer, it wasn't in a Roth IRA, we call that non-qualified dollars or individual accounts. That's taxed differently. That's where things like capital gains rates you hear about in the news come into play. We can be taxed differently on what assets we hold in there. And it's important to note that certain investments then underneath that tax umbrella work better in different environments. For example, if I have an annuity contract that's not in an IRA or a 401k, it's just money that I saved up. I took it out of my checking account and I bought an annuity contract. All the gains I have inside of that are tax deferred. I'm not taxed until I actually take the money out. But if I put the money into a mutual fund, then along the way as I'm earning gains and they're buying and selling stocks, I have to pay those taxes even though I didn't pull any money out of them. So would it make more sense for you to own an annuity on a non-qualified basis and then maybe put your mutual funds in your IRA? Maybe it depends on your situation and your tax bracket, but it's important to note that there's a dramatic difference. When we reach retirement then, oftentimes what I hear is, well, I'm going to use my annuity first, and then I'm going to get to my IRA, and then I'm going to use my Roth IRA. And it seems almost arbitrary or kind of happenstance on how we're going to go through this. It's just the way we visualize those assets. We'd say, we're going to start here and move through them. That may be a very foolish decision because let's say we want to live on $50,000 a year. If we take 20000 from one source and 10000 from another and 20000 from another, we might save ourselves four or $5,000 a year in taxes by doing it a little bit from each source because of the way that it shows up on our tax return, as opposed to an extra $5,000 because we just decided we were gonna take it from this location first. There are other things we can do like Roth IRA conversions, et cetera, but even if we just ignore all of the, the fancy Roth IRA conversion stuff and trying to minimize taxes in the long run, even in the short run, we can make a dramatic difference. Like for example, if you wanted to buy a boat and that boat was $50,000, and you pulled $50,000 out of your IRA in December to pay for the boat, you might have been able to save a dramatic amount of money by paying for half the boat in December and half the boat in January. But I see that kind of stuff happen all the time. It's not just rate of return. It's not just coming up with a plan on does my money last. It's also coming up with a plan on where am I going to pull my money from to lessen the burden of taxes as much as possible. And that is absolutely possible, Diane. It's just unfortunate that I don't see that planning happen very often. Well, and people listening are feeling overwhelmed, like I have to keep track of this and I have to think of taxes. If you have a great financial advisor, they have a good relationship with tax experts, and you're looking at your financial picture as a whole. It's not just an advisor who's trying to get the most income for you. Uh, it's, it's taking in the big picture, which is what you do, Josh. Correct. Yeah, and unfortunately, I see all too often what I would call uh, product salesman specialists 
you know, they might say they're holistic financial planners, but I promise you, whatever you come in with, whatever ailment you have, your solution is going to be the same as the other person. Whether your ankle hurts, your wrist hurts, your back hurts, that doctor is going to prescribe the same thing. And the reality is that just isn't the case. You have to have a uh, understanding of specifically retirement income planning, not just general financial planning. And that's one of the questions when someone's interviewing a financial advisor to choose who they want to work with, to make sure you ask about that tax element. For sure. And and what does their clientele look like? What do they specialize in? If somebody says, you know, I'm a general financial planner, maybe that's a good idea, maybe it's not. But in my uh, opinion, you can get really good if you stay in a narrow scope. So my clientele is almost exclusively people very close to or people in retirement because I can make the biggest impact there because that's my level of expertise. But if you want to know the best way to plan for college planning when you're 25, I'm, I'm, I can't be all things to all people. That's not, my, that's not really my wheelhouse. If you're concerned about the market and you'd like to learn new strategies to manage your retirement risks, give Josh a call to learn more about the Aptis Retirement Blueprint today. The number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. It's spelled A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. We talked a lot about, or you did, Josh, about market volatility. It's scary for all of us. Let's go over a few things again that retirees can do right now to protect themselves from it. I know you touched about it, but let's dig a little deeper. The obvious one is, you know, lower the level of income that you're withdrawing. That's not a very exciting one. It's not one that anybody wants to do, but I hear that recommendation quite often. And I feel like that recommendation is kind of, I don't have any solutions. I don't have any choices. So just don't take as much this year. That's not the way we will live our lives. So let's throw that one out the window and say, continue to plan on living on what you were living on. But the old 4% rule, uh, we've heard time and time again, you know, you, as long as you stay to 4% of the assets that you have per year, you'll never outlive your income. But there's one caveat to that. And that theory was based upon lots of studies, but one of the famous ones was put out by a big brokerage company. Um, and it was based upon a client having 55% in stocks and 45% in bonds, but it looks backwards over the last 30 years. What's well, important to note that over the last 30 years, interest rates for the most part have gone down every single year, which until we get to this negative interest rate environment, interest rates going down every single year is tremendously good for bonds because bond prices go up. So a lot of what has happened over the last 30 years is the volatility of the stock market has been offset by the fact that bonds have been a very effective place to hold your money with a lot of stability. The question is, and you know, Ray Dalio, a very famous investor, he talks about this all the time. He says that the problem with investing is that people base their decisions on what's been working lately or has worked in history, not what is necessarily going to work moving forward. And I'm seeing that theory occur here. And that is, as long as I pull out 4%, I put 55% in stocks and 45% in bonds, I'll be good. But the problem is, will bonds continue to perform at the same rate that they have over the last 30 years? And I believe the answer to that is no. Is no. So what can we do to protect ourselves? It brings us back to what we were talking about earlier, Diane, and that is, albeit, you know, uh, somewhat complicated at times investment, uh, a very, you know, murky field to look through. Not all annuities are created equal. Um, annuities offer some tremendous options in today's environment. 
and that is longevity protection, guaranteed rates of return and income, or an opportunity to earn a much greater than fixed interest rate level of interest with no downside risk whatsoever. These are the types of products over the next five or 10 years that people are going to have to take very serious consideration into to achieve their goals. We're not going to be able to do it the same way we did it before, unfortunately. I could be wrong, but I'm not willing to take that risk. If you look historically in, in time periods where interest rates have gone down to where we are now, it's never favored well. So we have to take you know, that multi-stemmed approach where we want to have different income sources. We want to have Social Security, maybe some annuity income. Then we have our dividend income and then maybe a little bit of bond income. But we can't rely exclusively on just two things. And with market volatility and with the current events, even more reason to have a financial advisor. So it's not a matter of just, okay, I'm going to keep the 55% in stocks, 45% in bonds. Things are changing so rapidly. And I know years prior, you know, you're planning with your clients for, well, in case this happens. Now it's clear that stuff happens and more reason to be able to talk to a professional, not just once a year, but because things are changing rapidly, people have to make sure that they're working with someone that checks their plan at least twice a year. Correct, Josh? I think at least twice a year and in times like these, sometimes even more often. Um, and, and certainly in the beginning phases of the planning process, it occurs even more often than twice a year. But if planning is done correctly, twice a year is usually enough. But I say that and then I look at what's happened recently. You know, with COVID, we have, you know, for businesses, we have PPL loans coming out at a rapid pace. And if you don't get those submitted within, you know, 24 hours, you get kicked out. We have... Uh, minimum required distribution reprieve where you, you don't have to take a minimum required distribution this year. You have some options out of your 401k. So usually twice a year is enough. But as of right now, things are happening so rapidly that you can take advantage of that if you miss it by even a month or two, or you were unaware of it, because this just isn't your field of expertise, you might miss the boat. So it's important that you stay up on things. And not trying to carry the load yourself. People are overwhelmed with this. So it's really important to talk to a professional to let them guide you through this. I learn every time I take my car into the shop that I certainly don't know a darn thing about how to be a mechanic. Uh, but, you know, I don't operate on cars all the time, you know, shy of driving them. That's about the level of my expertise. So I focus, I give that responsibility to somebody else to handle for me that knows a heck of a lot more than I do. And the same thing is true on this side. Unless you dedicate your entire life to managing your financial situation, there's no possible way that you could read up enough to stay. I guess you could if you just decided sleep wasn't important, but there's no way that you can keep up on everything. So it's important to have a trusted resource for that. You can pretty much learn how to do everything on YouTube, but your financial future is not is not something that you should trust to YouTube. <laughs> Get a professional. And if you'd like to schedule a complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call. The number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh's website is aptuswealth.com. A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. I'm Diane Brennan, and this is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. Stick around. Coming up next, we're going to tell you the mistakes not to make when you're getting close to retirement, and a lot of people make them. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer.
Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, what are some of the common mistakes that you see that people make getting ready to retire? Well, I hate to say it, but it's a pretty long list, so let's just go over a, a few of them, most common few that I see. One is not properly analyzing when to take Social Security. I know that seems kind of like a, a boring fact or, or you know something we shouldn't have to spend a lot of time on, and I agree with that. We probably shouldn't have to spend a lot of time on it, but it's very important. Um, Social Security does adjust for inflation. It is one of those legs of the stool that we talk about that's going to provide a lifetime income for you that does adjust for inflation. It also has a death benefit to your spouse. Um, And there's a myriad of choices as to when I should take it. Just because you retire at 65 does not necessarily mean that you should file for your Social Security at 65. It may make more sense for you to wait. Or if you retire at 70, it does not necessarily mean that you shouldn't have started collecting your Social Security at 66. The simple truth is you just have to do the math and figure it out. But I very, very rarely see people doing that. Or they'll use you know, kind of anecdotal data or something they heard uh, through somebody, maybe on that YouTube that you were talking about that, you know, anybody can post anything on YouTube so they can prophesize and uh, it becomes the gospel. So analyzing Social Security is important. I very rarely see that happening. The other one is analyzing risk appropriately. So I'll see people uh, go into retirement and either have zero risk in their portfolio or a tremendous amount of risk in their portfolio, or they'll go from a tremendous amount of risk to zero risk because they feel like, well, I'm retiring, so I can't take any risk anymore. When in reality, it's, it's a mathematical equation that we have to figure out, and then we have to blend it with you know, your general emotional uh, risk tolerance. But uh, I see oftentimes people entering retirement with the same allocation that they picked for their 401k when they were you know, 30 years ago. That's a very common mistake, and, and you have to start really tiering or laddering that back far before that to ensure that your retirement's okay. And we can think back in, t- in history when this has occurred. Imagine if you were just ready to retire and you had all your money in stocks in March of this year. It, it might have changed your whole date. You know, it, Does that mean that you were supposed to be able to predict COVID? No, but you shouldn't have been 100% in stocks when you were about to retire in you know a month. So that type of planning needs to happen earlier, but I see it all the time, arbitrarily picking things. Not having a buffer is another big one. Run into a lot of people that have all of their money essentially in their 401k or stock portfolio, no savings account whatsoever, or uh, they decide they can retire because they say, well, I I did an analysis of my bills. I need exactly $4,000 a month to get by on my bills. I know that I did the math and the 4% rule says I can do that. Well, what about the potential for some sort of situation? You know, the the roof uh, is damaged on the house. We have to replace the roof or health insurance costs go up uh, dramatically. We need to calculate in some room for error or some room for stress testing this scenario. In other words, what if rates go below uh, zero? What is that going to do to my portfolio and how does that impact my ability to withstand another issue down the line. So just having contingency plans in place and kind of stress testing your plan for the future. And then, and I'll keep it to four, poor tax planning. You know, we talked about that that earlier. Just arbitrarily or for just pure happenstance picking where you draw your income from and that having a dramatically negative impact on your on your long-term success of your financial plan. And, and that ranges everywhere from, 
I've had people come in my office that had $500,000 401ks and they liquidated them all in one year because they didn't want their money in the stock market and were unaware that they could have their money guaranteed and fixed still inside of an IRA and postpone that tax bill. Rather, they just took the whole thing out so they could put it in a CD rather than an IRA CD. I know that sounds for most probably like a, an obvious thing not to do, but again, it's not everybody's ballywick to be a financial expert or even know a lot about this at all. They uh, might have been the best mechanic on the planet, and I'm not picking on mechanics, but this isn't their wheelhouse. They didn't know what their choices were. So it's very important to go meet with somebody who can tell you at minimum what your choices are and what the implications are of picking one versus the other. And I see a lot of times, I'll, I'll leave it at this, is the worst thing that I see is people not getting the, fi the proper financial education to make the proper decisions that apply to them. And the information is out there, but navigating what, inf what information is biased, what information applies to them, or what information is just pure sales nonsense is the difficult part. So you need to get with somebody who has fiduciary responsibility to help you navigate the correct information so that you know what your choices are and make the appropriate ones. Ultimately, my job is purely to educate you on your choices. And then it's your job to decide what makes the most sense for you. But I don't see people doing that very often. And if people listening, you know, feel bad that they're making all of these mistakes, you're not alone. Fewer than four in 10 workers, the study's shown, pulled so they haven't these retirement planning things. So the message here is definitely get with a professional to take a look at your portfolio and make sure that you're not in that situation where you run short of money in your retirement, which is everyone's greatest fear. Yeah, you just got to look for the information. Same thing if you got hurt and you went into your doctor, the first thing you would ask him is, what are my choices? And then that doctor explains to you what your choices are. Doesn't force you to do something. Doesn't say, well, you know, you need to do, you have to do this. It's your choice to decide to do it. But their job is to educate you on what your options are and then give you a risk analysis of what those options are. Hey, you have this ailment, they, you know, and then they give you your choices. Uh, that's, that's all our job is. And you got to get to somebody that you know the choices aren't in their best interest, but are in your best interest. And that process with Josh is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint process. You are listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. It's spelled A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. Let's talk about another of the biggest mistakes that people make and when it comes to required minimum distributions. And I just feel like I'm picking on people, Diane. I know, but. I know, right back to back. <laughs> you're like, you're all doing everything wrong. Bear in mind that these are, these are just things that I see often. Um, and, and most people who are doing them don't even realize that they're making a mistake. Um, that's, the, that's the aha or eureka moment is, what do you mean I, I could have done this? And, you know, that's the unfortunate part, I guess, or, or good part and somewhat unfortunate part of my job is, you know, educating people on their decisions. But sometimes my job is educating them on a decision that they can no longer make because they already made it, but they could have, right? So let's talk about them here so that we don't make them moving forward. Uh, minimum required distributions, just to reiterate for everybody, is that time in your life when all of those qualified or alphabet soup accounts, the 401ks, the 403bs, the IRAs, You've been kicking the can on taxes your entire life on that. The money went in pre-tax. It's growing tax deferred. And until you pull money out of it, 
you don't get taxed on any of it. So the government has a rule that says once you reach a certain age, we will force you to take a certain percentage out. That age used to be 70 and a half um, until this year, it turned to age 72. And now we have a reprieve um, of this year. You do not have to take your minimum required distribution as long as you can justify to some degree that you know, COVID has impacted your life. What do I see people doing in error? Well, one, the, the most common one is just, I didn't realize that I was supposed to take it and I didn't take it. Um, and there's some weird rules, you know, you have to take it by uh, a certain, you have to take it by December 31st. Um, there's a, a reprieve in the first year and there's all these weird wonky rules that go along with it. But ultimately the one that I run across a lot is I just forgot. And the unfortunate part of the, I just forgot is it's a 50% penalty, which I'm pretty positive is the biggest penalty in the tax code. So you definitely don't want to forget. And the real, uh, you know, whammy, I suppose, to that is, let's say you had to take 10 grand. Well, now it's 15 grand because it's a it's a 50% penalty. And you're probably going to pull out more to pay the penalty and then you're going to have more taxation. So it's, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword. So that's the top one that I see. The aggregation of accounts. So this is a real wonky rule that I run into a lot. If you have 10 IRAs, you can aggregate them or add them all together and say, let's say I have, you know, 10, $10,000 IRAs adds up to $100,000. I found out that the percentage withdrawal I have to take is three and a half percent. I can take that $3,500 from one of my $10,000 IRAs or equal amounts across the board or, you know, half and half from two. I don't have to take it individually from all. As long as I add them all together and take the amount I have to take from any of them, then I'm good. The downside is you can't do that with 401ks. So if you had, again, 10 accounts, nine are IRAs, and one is a 401k, and you added them all together and took them from an IRA, you would be penalized 50% on the amount that you were supposed to take out of the 401k. Why that rule is that way is you know, beyond my level of understanding. I don't know why it was created that way, but it is. And I see that one very, very commonly. Uh, and then, you know, add with that, the aggregation of spousal accounts. So I have a, a $100,000 uh, 401k or IRA. My wife has one as well. Same amount. That's 200000 I know that we need to take this amount, so we'll take it out of mine this year. No, you can't do that. It has to be the percentage of the accounts that you hold in your name. So your wife has to take her amount and you have to take your amount. You cannot aggregate those together and they're based upon your individual ages. It's not so a it's couple important thing. to keep them separate. It's not, it's a, not unfortunately. Yeah. Even though you might be filing jointly and you'd say, why not? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, fair, but you can't do it and you get penalized on one of you. And then the other one is... Um, I see people not taking advantage of, and this isn't really a minimum required distribution answer as much as figuring out a way to minimize the impact of minimum required distributions by heavily considering Roth IRA conversions before you get there. So you retired at 65, you don't have to take minimum required distributions for seven more years. Would doing some Roth conversions today and maybe paying 12% on taxes save me from paying 22% in minimum required distributions down the line. Because remember, if you believe taxes are gonna go up or if that minimum required distribution is gonna bump you into the next tax bracket, either one of those two things being equal, it may make more sense to try and minimize that impact by slowly chipping away at your IRAs and doing Roth IRA conversions. And that's, again, just simply math. 
It's not heavily complicated math, but it's one that you have to do now because if you think you're going to take the minimum required distribution when you're 72 and then put that in a Roth IRA, you can't do it. So this has to be, all comes down to planning, Diane. We need to get ahead of it, and then we need to make sure we play by the rules once we hit that target. But those are the big mistakes that I see. Those are, those are the biggies. And you're not telling people that, that it's simple math, they have to figure it out. This is something that your financial advisor helps you with. Correct, correct. And it's math, unfortunately, or like everything else in our business, it's specific to you. So if you go to an online calculator that asks you three questions, it's probably not giving you the right answer. So it's very critical that you meet with somebody who can analyze all of the facets of this decision that apply to you. That calculator might not ask you if you have passive losses in a uh, rental property to help offset the gains in this. It's not going to, I don't know any calculator online that's going to ask you about your rental property income. So it's important that you meet with somebody who can take your situation and boil it down and does it make sense for you. And I have a question about that as well, those boilerplate stuff, when we come back after the break. I want to uh, let people know that to schedule your complimentary customized planning session, you can give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, wealth.com. I'm Diane Brennan. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. Stick around. Coming up, a discussion on the economy and Josh's take. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm your host, Diane Brennan. So there's a disconnect between the stock market and what is going on in the economy. We're going to get into that, Josh. I just had a question when we were talking about taking the uh, required minimum distributions. Just to let people know how serious it kind of is if you make that little slip up, what are the penalties? They're 50% of what you were supposed Ooh. to take. So, again, if you were supposed to take ten grand, it just cost you $5,000 in error. So now you have to take fifteen out, of which five you get to send to uh, benefit our federal government. Um, so it's pretty darn important. I think it's the greatest penalty there is in the tax code. I might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty darn positive. So it's, it's a big whammy, and they're pretty stringent upon it. So if you think you're going to go, my dog ate my homework, and call the, the IRS and say, can you give me a pass? The answer is most often no. And do they let you know? I mean, or is this something once you make the mistake, then they tell you after when they ding you? There's no warning like an email? (laughs) (laughs) No, the IRS is absolutely absolutely not going to let you know. Now, who should let you know is the institution that you hold the investment in. So if you have this money held at TD Ameritrade, for example, TD Ameritrade will send out correspondence that says you are required to take it this year. TD Ameritrade and all other brokerage companies, for that matter, send out a lot of correspondence. And what I find is that a lot of uh, clients, they get so much in the mail or so much in their email that they just quit paying attention and you can miss it. So we have a system in our office to make sure that we don't miss it. So we double double whammy people and say, you know, hey, did you get the correspondence? We need to make sure that we do this. And that's another reason why you need to meet with people at least twice a year, because that means we have to miss it in a year twice in our conversation 
and our system has to fail and TD Ameritrade has to not send it out or Fidelity or whoever you have the assets with. So it's a checks and balances. Let's talk about the stock market and the economy and the disconnect between the two. Yeah, you know, I'm guessing you're saying by the disconnect is that there's there's not a whole lot of good news uh, occurring right now. You know, unemployment is through the roof. It's expected to, to kind of continue, it seems like, because of shelter in place. Literally millions and millions of Americans are filing for unemployment. We're getting, you know, extra stimulus checks in the mail to just try and hold us over. Businesses are receiving short-term loans to get through the gap. We're talking about interest rates uh, going, you know, possibly in negative territory, which we know is never good. We know that the stock market, trillions of dollars were lost just like that. Every indicator seems to point towards a bear market. And yes, here we are. The market is rallying like a freight train back in the positive direction. So what the heck causes that? You know, we could really hypothesize all of the reasons that that's occurring. But the important thing to note, just when, before we even get into what could be happening, is that ultimately in the long run, value of whatever it is you purchase wins. So meaning if you believe that Coca-Cola or Johnson & Johnson or Amazon or Google or insert any of these names have a strong business model, have revenue and cash, and are trading at a multiple that makes sense, that will ultimately pay off in the long run. That's the old Warren Buffett approach, buy value-based stocks at a good price. But what happens between now and 20 years from now? Well, that's the difficult one. That's where the risk analysis comes into play because we don't know. I mean, it, we've seen the impact of the media, the political machine, uh, certainly the impact of quarantining, which is a new one, at least in my lifetime. I don't, I don't ever recall being quarantined. So that velocity or those bounces are just getting breakneck. It's, it's hard to even ride that train. I mean, if you had $100,000 invested in the S&P 500, at the beginning of the quarantine, at some point in the quarantine, you had $65,000 or less. And then two months later, you're coming back up to almost your $100,000 again. That can have a very damaging impact on the psyche. I think it's important that you have some sort of risk analysis plan in place to help mitigate that to a level that you can physically and emotionally tolerate. I don't know anybody that's had a million dollars and then it went to 600000 overnight that said, eh, it happens. Every, that hurts. Um, and I think getting back to the disconnect, we still have a lot of bad things to deal with moving forward. Because we've rallied back does not mean that it, we couldn't have another pullback when, let's say, second quarter earnings come out. Or let's say that um, you know we decide that uh, there's a resurgence of you know, knock on wood, but a resurgence of the COVID in the fall. What impact will that have on the economy? Thank goodness we've gotten some sort of bounce back up where we can, if we didn't do proper planning, we now got a second shot. And we get to do proper planning so that if there is a future drop, we don't ride that wave again. Because there is a strong disconnect, Diana. There's a lot of bad things going for us in the economy. GDP's down. There's so many things that are down that are pointing in the wrong direction. And the market doesn't seem to care. But that does not mean that that is sustainable. It does not mean that we'll be having the same conversation in a year. And that also does not mean, Diane, that I'm a doomsday guy. I'm not, I'm not saying that the market couldn't perhaps continue to rally and we do really well moving forward. So it's important that you invest in value. Um, and by value, I don't necessarily mean value stocks. But you invest appropriately in things that have good long-term outlooks that you mitigate risk and sequence of return risk, definitely if you're retired, 
and you had different levels or layers of a diversification that aren't necessarily correlated. Meaning don't have all your money in stocks, don't have all your money in bonds, don't have all your money in annuities, don't have all your money in real estate. Diversify amongst all of them, but don't just diversify amongst stocks and bonds. That's not enough. Spread out that risk more than that. And just to reiterate to people, it's important to stay in the market, just rebalance, adjust. I know everyone hates the word pivot, but it's just a matter. Let's talk about the importance of staying in the market and the benefit um, of riding these negative waves out. Yeah, well, timing the market has never worked. Um, and let's define what timing is. And this is a conversation that I have a lot. I'm going to wait until it pulls back hard. I'm going to, I know that there's more bad news. I'm going to wait until it drops more because the response is always, well, how much does it have to drop before you're happy? And people will say what their answer is now until it drops that much. Meaning if it, if it pulls back 20%, I'll invest. Well, when it pulls back 20%, you best believe that the news is going to be tumultuous. It's going to be damaging. It's going to be, there's no end in sight. It's going to get worse. And you're probably not going to pick it right. So you're, if you do invest at 20, it's going to go down even further, more than likely, before it returns. So you're going to think you made the wrong decision. Or when it gets to 20, you're going to go, man, I think this is going to go even worse. And you never end up investing the money. And time in the market has always been the successful pattern in the long run. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be in the market or that you should try and uh, time the market. What I'm saying is you should be in the market with some of the money that you have with a rule-based system in place that removes emotion. Emotion never serves people well. So we have portfolios that are rule-based. It doesn't mean that we're always in. It doesn't mean that we're always out. But there are things that we look for that we will make decisions based upon regardless of what our emotions are. They're tried and true systematic approaches that have weathered the test of time, and they will mitigate risk to a large degree. But you cannot avoid all risk when you're in the market, which is why we diversify amongst different asset classes. But don't go all in and then go all out. You'll lose in the long run. There's a, a long line of people who have tried it. They failed every time. What do you tell people, though, that say, you know, we haven't experienced this before, the pandemic, the rioting in this short of a time frame, everything together. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of charts that I, I highly recommend that you know, listeners go and take a look at, and that is uh, look at the S&P 500 with an overlay of all of the terrible things that have happened throughout history. And there's one thing in common, and that is after every single one of them, if you look 20 years forward, you were rewarded by staying in the market. And I think everybody knows that, but every time it feels different. You're right. I've never been quarantined. Matter of fact, I don't believe there's a time in history where every, we ever in the United States quarantined healthy people. So it's certainly different. Um, we've never been in a time like we are today where the media has so much impact. You know, social media didn't even exist 30 years ago. So it's very clear to say that, yes, this time is different. But we have consistently had scenarios where it was something new over and over and over again. It's something new whether it's war, whether it's trade tariffs, political strife, you name it, we've had it. Um, space shuttles blowing up have had negative impacts on the market. Nobody was viewing the trade towers getting hit by, by airplanes. Um, so there's always been something different. What people are very concerned about and what puts your mind at ease is having a plan that you know what your expectations are. Just throwing your money into the market, hearing that it's, if you leave it in there for a long time, it's a good thing. Just trust me. And that's your only education level. No matter what happens in the market, you're not sure why it happened, and it's terrifying. You have to get a financial education, 
You have to have a plan in place that has a rules-based approach, not an emotional one, and know what the predictable outcomes are. If you can do that, then you, you'll be able to pull yourself away from that, oh, Lord, this time's different, or you know that timing methodology. So it all comes back to the same thing every time, Diane. That's education, education, education. That but, does not mean you need to go to school for four years. Right, <laughs> but, but thinking that you have to do this by yourself or you're trying to save money because you think financial advisors take too much, it, it's overwhelming for people. So I just want to stress again that working with a good financial advisor is – incredibly important to the security of your financial future. Absolutely. And it's also important to meet with somebody who does not talk down to you, that views it as a partnership, not a, a purely uh, you know, dictator-type relationship where just trust me. Anytime somebody says just trust, you run. Um, they should be able to explain to you why are we doing this? What are your choices? What are the positives and negatives of this particular choice? And is that an exchange you're willing to take? My goal always when people leave my office is that they walk out knowing more than when they walked in and they feel more comfortable than when they walked in. And the only way that you can do that is by educating and by not talking down to people and by talking to people at a level in which they can understand. So if you currently feel like every time you talk to your financial advisor or your investment advisor or insert you know, name, and you go, well, I always feel like that person talks down to me. I don't know what the heck they're saying. I walk out more confused than when I walked in, but they just say, you know, it, it's a very complicated scenario. I don't think that's a good, while it might be true that it's com a complicated scenario and I'm not taking anything away from them, I don't think that's a relationship that leaves you feeling like you're in a good place, that leaves you feeling confident that the next 20 years of my life are taken care of. It just leaves you it, it, it allows you to leave with your fingers crossed going, I hope I picked the right person because I don't know what the heck he just said to me or she said to me. That's a bad situation and one that I would not feel comfortable in. Get out of that. Get with somebody who will actually educate you and make you feel more comfortable. If you'd like to talk to Josh, you can give him a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. If you want to learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy and, and to schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call. His website is aptuswealth.com. It's spelled A-P-T-U-S Wealth. Com. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show today with Josh Pick. We hope that you'll join us next week as well. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.